This is Season 1, Episode 13 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some pretty strong opinions. Our episode tonight is Ending a Campaign, or Parting is Sweet Sorrow. Welcome to Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast. Like I said, we're all about maximizing your game with advice, ideas, cool stuff found, and questions. We have a question tonight, and we hope you get something out of it. I'm Carl, and I have my co-hosts Eric and James, but Eric's not here today. So we have James and myself, and we'll be talking about um, ending a campaign. If you want to get more information about us, uh, it's masteringtherpg.com. And if you want to ask a question, as we have tonight, or provide some feedback or some other information, uh, use Game Master at MasteringTheRPG.com. Both of those are one word. Um, so, hey, James, good to uh, hear you. See you tonight. G'day, Carl. How are you? No Eric today, but we'll, we'll soldier on without these pesky character player questions. It'll be, it'll be much better. <laughs> Eric, Eric was saying, well, I don't end campaigns anyway. No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so we're going to talk about any campaign, but we did have a question. Uh, so we were going to answer some questions tonight. Question answers. Question answers. Yeah, it was a great question that came in uh, from uh, one of our listeners, which is fantastic. So thank you, Mr. Rob, for sending through your question. Shall I read it out or are you happy to do you want to read it through? I can read it through. Um, that's okay. And he says, uh, or they say, hello, fellow RPGers. I would like to hear your opinions on generic RPGs. I know there is a strong love for Savage Worlds, but what about others? GURPS, D6, Hero System? I personally have up until recently been playing Hero, but the lack of wide support, limited adventures, and high learning curve. My players and I are moving to Savage Pathfinder. Yeah, I'll apologize before we go through that. With the expected progression to the Savage Worlds products, I'm curious what your experience with other generic systems has been, and do you still actively play any? Um, and then he has a couple of follow-ups we'll, we'll hit after we uh, answer this one. Hmm. So what do you think, James? So generic systems. I, in the past, I have played GURPS in my, in my misspent youth. Um, but not for a long period of time. The other one that I use is the basic role-playing system by Chaosium. These are the same people that do Pendragon and 7C and Call of Cthulhu. They've released a free set of rules for what they call the basic role-playing system. It's a percentage-based system. That's the only one that I still use from time to time, and I do that primarily because it's such a simple framework. There's very few rules assigned to it at all. It's basically a percentage-based dice roll. So I often, when I'm writing one-shots, will use that. Um, to be fair, I haven't done GURPS in a long time and haven't done Hero System ever or D6. Um, I, one thing I am playing a little bit with is the Morkborg kind of uh, setup at the moment, which is a very pared-back role-playing system, and I'm looking at converting some of those kinds of things. But in terms of... Uh, a widely used, well-supported basic system. I don't think one exists, does it? Is it is, what's 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 a well-supported system out there that for for kind of a generic role playing? Yeah, and has lots of settings. I I don't know what that might might be. Um, but he mentioned it right in there, Savage Worlds. But for for my for yeah. my side, I I used to play GURPS a bit, um, and 
we tried to do hero system. Uh, the problem, I think the biggest problem I've run into with um, generic systems is a lot of them that started off to want to be generic were kind of simulationist. It's, it was yep. about trying to be too accurate um, or have too much there. Um, you know, I, I think in GURPS, we know character creation can take a long time to, to get through of all the skills and everything's there. Um, and that's why uh, I do like the fact that Savage Worlds, and it's like the message says, it's pretty obvious I'm a Savage Worlds fan. Uh, it gives you enough crunch, but still, you know, gives you that ability to not have to learn every little nuance of how things work. And I've been looking at other systems a little bit, um, like West End Games D6, I looked at a bit. Um, Cypher System uh, from Monty Cook Games, that's what Numera, Numenera is built on. And, yes. what I, and what I ran into, and, and again, this is an opinion, is although Savage Worlds also comes from originally a game and then was generified, um, West End Games D6 and Cypher Systems came from a setting slash game and then were kind of made generic. And it... it I can feel that in the cipher system, you know, they still have ciphers, but it feels like they force fit into, you know, things are ciphers force fit. So it could be a generic system. Um, And then I want to not to confuse that with um, engines, right? Because they're not necessarily generic. Like the mutant zero engine is not a generic engine. It's used for alien and a few other things, but it's not designed to just, Hey, it's standalone. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like powered by apocalypse, I wouldn't put in that category because people create games around the engine. It's not itself a generic engine. So that's why I like Savage Worlds because it's not. It's a good balance, I think, from crunchy to narrative without having all the having to simulate the world to say I'm generic and have big a bunch of books to really define all that. So that's my answer. So I don't play yeah, any except and, for Savage and, Worlds. <laughs> and for my and for mine, basic does what I need it to do. That if I'm putting a little one shot scenario that might be set in, you know, 1950s Melbourne, Australia, I don't need a massive rule set. I just need I just need the basic character creation and and something to get the game going. So for me, that that little 16 page, very very skeletal framework um, works for me. Awesome. And Rob also asked, um, so do you write your own material or do you rely on pre-written material? Um, personally, I, I almost entirely write my own material. I've done some plot point campaigns for Savage Worlds, but actually it, it's hard for me to do that. I, I really am almost always do my own material. What about you, James? Yep. I'm in a little, I mean, I'm in a bit of a weird situation in that the amount of games that I run uh, make it impossible for me to write all my own material. I'd love to say that every one of my games is a custom experience, but, you know, at my peak, I'm running kind of 10, 12 games a week. So that makes it a little bit tricky. Um, What I found is that I love writing my own material and I will make sure I'm running a campaign all the time where I'm writing everything because it's important to get that creative output. Um, there's a couple of things I've found that have emerged. Um, one is I run a lot of games for kids and they love the idea of saying that they finished an adventure. So they've been very keen to, to look at published Dungeons and Dragons in particular. And I've, I also know that a lot of the people that play my games are, are very keen to do the big ticket role-playing adventures. So Masks of Nyarlathotep for Call of Cthulhu or Curse of Strahd for Dungeons and Dragons, the big epic once in a lifetime kind of games is is where I live as well. So um, 
having said that, every single campaign that I run, I can't help but change because nothing is great as written. I get in there and muck around everything. Really, I change a lot. So, I but in terms of um, in terms, I'm probably about an 80, 20, 80 pre-written, twenty percent my own. But I wish I could have more time. I wish there were more hours in the day to write my own campaigns. It would be good. But you definitely you have, uh, like you mentioned, a significant reason from player desires, from sort of your business model to to do a lot of yeah. pre-written um, material or published material, for sure. Yeah, that's um, right. And even my little kids are saying, we want to play Wild Beyond the Witchlight next year. Okay, well, that's what we'll be playing. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know. <laughs> All right, well, awesome. And then but, Rob has one last question, and I think this one got me excited when I saw it. What lesser known yeah. or dead RPG, and dead was in quotes, um, would you like to see make a comeback? What would you select? Uh, it's a little bit, there's a, I've got a few. Um, I'm, I was a big fan in, of Rifts or Palladium role-playing or Heroes Unlimited or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I probably need to get, I need to drag, drag TMNT out again, have a bit of a game. <laughs> but uh, I noticed you actually did a little note on this and I, I'm kind of totally with you on this. So if you want to... If you want to unveil your 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 dead game that you wish you could play again, and I reckon I might even play in it because I, as soon as I saw you wrote this down, I got very excited. Go on, tell well, us, Carl, well, what, well, what is the game? Well, there's two of them. There's Top Secret for the flavor, yep. and then there's Twilight 2K. Boy, I, I, and now the funny thing is, Twilight 2K. There's a new one that came out that resurrects the system, but I haven't read it. I haven't done anything. But when I was a kid. Just Twilight 2K had my imagination so, and this was after the Red Box, right? So we're playing D and D, and here's this thing where you know you're in Europe, you're trying to get out. It's kind of dark, it's gritty, it's you know yeah. all that. Uh, uh, boy, that was just so gotta, amazing. And now they just got to make your own fuel out of out of distilling vegetables, and it was awesome. What a great <laughs> game! I got really excited when you wrote down Twilight 2000 because I was like, yeah, let's do that. And the timing's perfect. You could set it in Ukraine too soon um and it would be it would be ideal <laughs> well and, and they do it they just released um a new rule set for it um a kickstarter so if i really wanted to get in there i i could look at it but my question is how much of the of the charm is still there and how much is it just you know i, I know there was certain charm to to that game that box you know opening yeah. the box and there's so I, I wonder if they captured it i i really am like this close to buying it um, but I just haven't pulled the pulled the trigger yet. Um, you totally should, and then I should totally play in it. It'd be interesting, like without the Cold War Red Dawn experience over the lot of it, because I think I think having seen Red Dawn as a teenager and then Twilight Two Thousand come out, that was kind of where I was going from as a kid. But um, it'd be interesting to see how it hold up, how it holds up now, um, given that it was it was very much a set of its time in the eighties. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that- I, again, I, I don't know anything about the Kickstarter, but if you did have this Kickstarter and you do have your own favorite game, folks listening in, Game Master at MasteringTheRPG.com. We'd love to <laughs> love to hear what you think of that. But yeah, Twilight 2K and Top Secret are my two favorite picks there for that, that question. Perfect. Just perfect. I'll play. Thank you, Rob, for your question. I, I very much appreciate it. So thanks for sending it in. Yep. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll move into our main topic.
Alrighty, right, everybody, it's time for the main topic. I will be your guide um, tonight. Uh, it's James and I um, running through this. We've run a number of campaigns, and actually it's kind of interesting. Uh, we were just talking earlier that I just had a campaign end, and I believe there's a few campaigns uh, that James has that's about to end. Uh, so it's timely, I suppose, in that regard. Um, since I just ended one, I can look back and say how bad I failed. But anyway, let's talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit. So what do you know? First off, what do we mean by ending the campaign? I I don't think when I say ending the campaign, I do not mean everybody just one day stopped coming to the table, and we've you know life happened and so people just didn't show up. That that's ending a campaign, but that's kind of not what we're talking about. We're we're really talking that's how, about that's commonly ending a campaign. That's how most yeah. campaigns end. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what we want to talk about because that'd be a short episode. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um so one day, one day no one turns up. The end. Yep, yeah. that was easy. <laughs> so what do you, so what would you say are the are the key um what do you mean when you're talking about ending a campaign? And this is probably a simple, a simple definition. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a simple thing, but it's true. the 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 biggest The biggest beast in role playing is is the scheduling. So, unfortunately, most campaigns end when the when I guess the interest starts to wane. But for us, we're, um, and and I'm finding myself more and more leaning into short epic campaigns is what I'm running more more often than not. And gone are the day of the endless games of D&D. You see these things on, on YouTube of campaigns that have been going for 40 years. We're not talking about that. So we're talking about when a story and a campaign and your role-playing kind of chronicle that you've been playing comes to its conclusion, the epic final boss or the epic final challenge um, for whatever reason, where when you first came together to play these games, you know, you might have put out in your session zero, this is what we're looking for. We'll play for a year. We might play for a, uh, two years. We might play for even longer. But when that journey finally comes to an end, when when the the end of that written story, the end of the book, the when you're when you're ready to put it back on the shelf and pull out a new one, that's what we're talking about when ending a campaign. And, and I think that's uh, Dale's right in the head. We're we're talking about closing a chapter or finishing a book or, you know, creating a, a convenient way to stop an arc. And that could be, it could be a, just a convenient point where somebody, fin I, I think of my games as chapters as opposed to books. Yep. So they may be finishing a chapter and that's okay, but we've come to a point where it's a good closing point where certain things happen. Um, you know, loose ends are tied up. We'll talk a little bit more about you know, what steps should be in there to make sure that things are, are satisfying in a completion. Um, so without, uh, you know, be, be laboring this point, um, let's talk about uh, when does, so when does it make sense to end a campaign? What is that? What are yeah. some of the elements there? There's a couple of things, I guess, to talk about. And and for me, I'm winding up the end of a calendar year. And so I, I often run one year long campaigns and I set out on the on the beginning of the journey to say this will run for one calendar year. And that allows me to kind of allows the players to know what they're committing for. It allows you to understand how long the journey needs to take and the planning. So for me, I'm I'm actually ending up three campaigns in the next couple of weeks. Um, and But for most games that aren't like that, um, with a set calendar time, realistically, why? I mean, why do we end it? We end it for a couple of reasons. 
staleness. You know, the story is kind of coming to its natural conclusion and and to try and prolong it beyond the narrative arc that we've put together might end up making it feel a bit weird or drag it out too long. Um, and for me, it's about making sure that it's still fresh, that people are still enthusiastic, that they're energised by the game, that your players are still, you know, very much... Uh, focus in on it because I think nothing is more dissatisfying than having a campaign that's run for a long period of time that just kind of peters out and doesn't make its epic conclusion and that you can tie it up nicely and, and, and give it the proper send-off that it deserves. And it's you too, right? Um, staleness for you yeah. as the game master, burnout for yourself. Um, you know, I, I look at, I think about these, we all know those TV series where it's like you had three three seasons of material but now you're on your 10th season. Yeah. You got to be careful of that sort of thing. So if you have a, I think of it, I have a story concept. Again, I don't want to, you know, we're not putting people on rails, but there's this story arc or idea. And once it's explored enough, it's, it's really time to, you know, close things off and come to a satisfying conclusion and then go on to the the next thing, whether it's the next chapter in the same campaign or whether it's a completely different, different campaign. Um, and I think that's what keeps it fresh for me um, and keeps it from becoming a slog. I don't know how you could do a 40 year campaign. I mean, I just don't know how you would be able to do that. It, it's no, mind boggling yeah. that that could even happen in, a, in the same campaign world. Um, Having said that, I'm, I'm in the unique position too where I'm playing in a campaign that ends in the next month, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. And we'll get to that a bit later talking about playing. But uh, we hit level 20 in Dungeons & Dragons. So it's kind of, this is after almost four years playing. So um, even four years, I found, was, that's a hell of a slog and a hell of a commitment. That, um, so for me, it's about refreshing a little bit earlier than that to try and, you know, um, tie up a story and move on to the next one. So um, there's a, a million stories we could be role-playing. And so the idea of tying one up nicely and moving on to the next very much appeals to me. And, and, and I think uh, I think what's interesting as a game master and a player is you need to start watching those signs for the staleness, for there's a the story just needs to end. It, you know, we're dragging it out. And you watch the signs, watch how your players are interacting with the world. If it's sort of... It looks like they're just making work for themselves just to make work because there's nothing else to do or it's it's not really interesting. Um, so keep an eye yeah. out. Keep the eye out for those signs and um, keep the eye out for your own burnout and how you're feeling and, and make sure you're touching base with the table. If Especially if you've run through like the interesting stories that people want from their backstory. If you've hit all those notes, it's probably time to start, to start uh, closing off that uh, book or chapter or movie or whatever you, however you want to call it. Um, but that's easy to say, right? <laughs> yes. I, I think that's the whole point, right? It's easy to say we should, we should um, finish the campaign. We'll just get it done. We'll wrap everything up. It'll be a beautiful thing. And we'll, you know, there'll be manna from on high, whatever happens and it'll be great. But the question is, what what does it take to do that successfully from a game master, player, everybody's perspective? That's that's where the rubber meets the road, and that's where I, I you know I look at my own shortcomings. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll give myself loathing after James kind of jumps in and talks <laughs> a little bit about. It. <laughs> well, the first thing I think is is it needs planning. 
So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're if you've gone on this long epic journey and these things will take years, you know, months and years of will be a campaign duration, you want to respect that journey by giving yourself enough time to end it properly. Um, I tend to allocate three full sessions to wind up a campaign to make sure that I've got enough time for what will inevitably be a very epic boss battle at the end or some huge confrontation to finish the campaign, but also to allow the players to get what they need to get out of it and to tie up all those loose loose story threads. So when I'm looking at planning at ending a campaign, there's a few steps that I'll take. First is I allocate plenty of time so that you can do your narrative. The second thing that I'll do is I'll actually talk to my players about what it is that they're hoping to achieve as well. At the end of the day, the narrative is running itself. Like, you know, you've got to destroy the evil big bad. You, You know, it's generally the big thing. But uh, throughout the course of a, of a campaign, I, uh, hopefully you're touching base with your players to talk about what they're enjoying, what they want to see more of. I call them stars and wishes. What has been the star so far? What, is, what do you wish you can achieve? And hopefully just before you end a campaign for the last three sessions, you go through that process. What is it you still want to do? What is it that, you're, that you loved? What it is that your characters are, are still want to aspire to? And factor that in with the planning because ultimately when you're closing down a campaign, you're not doing it just for yourself. You're doing it for every individual player. Um, I then look at what loose threads I have in my story, so what character arcs haven't come to a good conclusion and then make sure that they're included. Of course, you might not get to everything, um, depending on how convoluted your plot is. Um, But I try my best to, in those last three sessions, to devote some time allocated to every single player and every single character so that they can feel like they're starring and they can can resolve whatever it is that they, they need to resolve for their story. Um, and also really look at reflecting on the impact that the players have made in the journey. Because ultimately, if you started at level one and you're this little local hero and now you're saving the world from, um, from you know, cataclysmic uh, entities from beyond, you've, you've taken a journey. And so making sure that you've given time to reflect on that journey. Um, that's kind of when I'm starting to plan it. So give it time, allocate time for each of your players, ask what they want and then really reflect on the entire journey to try and bring it together for a satisfying conclusion. That's what I think about when I start planning one. How about you, Carl? Well, I think I think those are very much similar to the the kind of the beats that I try to hit. Uh, for me, a lot of my campaigns are based on this concept that has a natural progression. So there's sort of yeah. a part of the campaign pushing up the hill to get to the point where you're ready and then at that point where they're starting to come down the other side and you know there's going to be an acceleration to the end, that's when I already start knowing that things are going to happen. And that could be 10 sessions. Um, but you, yep. you know that these things are starting to come into motion. You look at the, the, the story threads, like you mentioned, what has to be tied up. I, I'm perfectly fine tying some up um, you know, two or three sessions in, and then you still have some sessions left um, so that they're not all kind of, uh, what's the term I'm looking for, bunching up towards the end where all the arcs are yep. trying to come together in one or two sessions. I'm okay with that. Um, hopefully the players are. I think that's one of the, my shortcomings uh, you mentioned is the checking in with players. I probably don't do that nearly as much as I I ought to with the stars and wishes or doing retrospectives or, or what you would like to call it. Um, I could do that more, uh, especially as I'm accelerating down the hill. 
it's there's like this inevitable we're going to hit the bottom <laughs> one way or the other yes. and it's just a matter of making sure that we're all on the all on the sled at the time that it happens since it's winter here where I'm from um that uh, we're all on the sled together when we get to the end and no one falls off and that's and that's definitely devoting time for each player to have their minute to shine their time to shine but it it may not be in the final session all as much as they'd like but hopefully before that they're in the they're in there bringing their skills to set up success i just finished a campaign um that was a um uh, Deadlands Lost Colony using a plot point campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was a little disappointing. Um, I didn't do this as well as I should. So it's, it's great to give advice, but it's looking at our own shortcomings, I think is important as well. Um, I did a pretty good job of setting up and sort of seeing how that arc would happen and putting things together and giving them a chance to explore their characters and what they wanted to get out of it. So they got their truck. But they never really quite got to do the trading they wanted to do. But they got the other person got to encounter their their foe, and, and so a lot of this stuff happened. But in the end, the uh, the battle at the end was sort of uh, anticlimactic a little bit. And we'll talk more about the big session at the end. And I, I was trying to think to myself, did I tie up loose ends too quickly? Did I not? Um, and and I felt well, you know, actually. They tied up the ends, and they did what had to be done to make this successful. You know, they, their, their plan yeah. worked. You know, so I, I didn't want to punish them for that. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I, I think uh, I didn't check in enough. I think that's important to understand where they want to be when it all ends up. Um, so it's definitely something I could. Yeah, it's I interesting. Do better, it's. So. It, it, um, one of the things that I try and do, and I'm, and I'm, I don't always succeed, and hopefully I'm getting better at it, is giving the players some leeway to do some of this work yourself, to have those discussions. There was a Call of Cthulhu game I ran a couple of years ago called the Two-Headed Serpent, and my players were wonderful in that game in that they, there was a natural role-playing session that emerged about two sessions before the ending where our downtrodden 1930s investigators that have been beaten and bruised and battered and one of them's gone insane and two of them have died are sitting in a bar in Shanghai talking about what is yet to do and what they're about to accomplish and the doom that they're about to face. And it was quite a fatalistic, wonderful little session where they ended up speaking, role-playing amongst themselves for about an hour. And they reflected on their journey and how how it is and what they were expecting and that they weren't expecting to come out alive. And it was kind of, it allowed them to to drive that. So depending on the quality of your role players as well, you might find that they're doing this naturally and just kind of what tying up their own their own stories, which is also really important, um, that, that, they're, that they're coming to the resolution that they want to resolve. Um did they give you any feedback, Carl? I mean, I'm a, part of the. I mean, part of the problem when you're games mastering is that we all think we're doing a worse job than we probably are doing, and they probably loved it and thought it was fantastic. Did you get any feedback directly from them? Um, not in so much. Uh, the, the, I guess I got the feedback was, "Hey, that's great. Well, what do we do next? Let's let's talk uh, about yeah, the right. next thing." Yeah. So it, it went yeah. well enough that they wanted the next thing, I guess. Versus, "Hey, let's take a break." Um, but I think that also then compressed. 
the start of the next one with the end of the previous one. It was like, we're ending. It's sure. like, oh yeah, hey, what will we do next? And suddenly we had a session minus one and suddenly we had a session zero and we didn't have a time Straight to really reflect. It. And so now we're already yeah. starting. We've already done the second session is this week. And I think the game, the other game ended, you know, of course we had a holiday in there in the United States. We had a holiday come in and that took up a week and, you know, so thanks. But man, I really would like to do more retrospectives but it was just like yep. snowballed right into the to the next thing no time got to move in yeah and, and part of it was me that you know i was filled in a little burned out i you know i don't play a lot of plot point campaigns and i was like this thing is feels heavyweight when you know i feel like yep. it, it's got to come to a conclusion where we're just you know we're kind of i don't know we're the the, the rope Training that we're hanging on yeah. is like each thread is getting cut and it's like at some point you just gotta yeah, cut yeah, through yeah. the whole thing and get it over with and i felt that and, it, and i don't think that's uncommon i i found that um groups as the campaign is is ending are scared to actually take on that final battle they know that it's going to end no one wants it to end because they've been having a great time and they're like oh well let's just not visit strad's castle and confront him we'll just We'll just hang out here for a little bit longer. We'll just get a bit tougher. And and I've found that a lot of campaigns, the players themselves kind of struggle to to make that leap to kind of finish it up. So in a lot of ways, you kind of you've got to push them sometimes to kind of uh, to get it finished as as you need to. One of the things that I always keep an eye out when I when we're finishing a campaign is 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 checking the emotional level as well. I mean. I can't help it. Whenever I finish a campaign, I, I can't help but feel flat for a couple of days afterwards because oh, sure. yep, you yep. put so much put so much creative energy into these things. So watching for those signs that you, you, there's always a lull of energy whenever you finish one, um, and that is certainly with your players as well. So it can be an emotionally raw time for people, particularly if they've if if they've played this a lot, you know, because role playing like any other hobby, is a major commitment. You're playing once a week. You're devoting, you know, two, three, four hours a week in these characters, in these stories. And to say goodbye to it can be a very emotionally raw thing. So always, as well as checking in what players' aspirations are, doing a check-in about how they're going um, because it can be a sad time as well as as stories, are, you know, naturally come to a conclusion. Um, so always check in afterwards. Well, and sometimes as game masters, I, I think we lose sight of how connected the players are to their player characters, right? Mm. The, the, this this is their one face into the world, and they've grown. And, and you can see it in the D and D world for sure, right? People get character sketches; they're doing custom. Oh uh, yeah, you know, you don't do that if you expect that this is a throwaway piece of paper. You know that you know the the Gygaxian way of playing D and D. That's not. That's not the way we do it today. So it's sometimes as a game master, you got to remember that from an emotional standpoint, they've got a lot of invested in who this this person, this piece of paper is, right? And and uh, making the satisfying conclusion is is a big deal for that, right? And it's easy yeah, to forget that as much. a game master. At least for me, sometimes it's, and, and, it's hard. It's easy to remember. Prepare yourself for big emotions. You know, I I I have had many many tears at the end of campaigns. Um, of joy, of wonder, of just the emotional roller coaster of it, of, of it all finishing up. It's very important, um, and tapping into that. So, a lot of what we're talking about with in talking about the the emotional bar at Shanghai, I provide opportunities for my players to go through those emotional farewells because, at the end of the day, this is saying goodbye to a story and it's saying goodbye to their characters. So, giving yourself enough time to properly do that, to to say goodbye 
around the campfire before you ready yourself for the big battle is is important so often that will be a good half a session is is the role playing saying goodbye to each other saying goodbye to the npcs that they love and 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 tying all that up before we confront the big evil which is the big fun part that's what i'm most interested in is the big end boss battle because um that's that's the fun bit so so is there anything else um that you would like to kind of comment there before we talk about that, we can get right into talking about the big finish that big. And I say the big finish because it's a conflict resolution. It could be a battle. It could be something else. Um, you know, uh, so what do you, it's very rare. It isn't a battle though. I can't think of a conflict resolution one that didn't end up with a, it's B all along and a massive big boss fight that goes for about four hours. That's kind of how I think I've ended just about every campaign I've ever run. Well, I, I had a I had a chapter of a campaign. I wouldn't call it the the end all the end of the campaign because they wanted to continue. But I had a chapter of one yeah. campaign end where they were basically yeah. doing um, they were testifying in front of Congress. Essentially, was the oh, cool. was the end. The, you know, try to convince. Basically, they're trying to convince this in this world, the Senate of this world, not to go to go to war. I mean, they had yeah. they, they had befriended the, so this was a campaign where vampires lived on another continent and subjugated humans and everything and it was very kind of medievalish humans had escaped across the ocean at some point to a new continent and had grown technologically and they were more 20th century and there was this the vampires were trying to um, infiltrate and do things and they found a good one they found a, a nice vampire who really wanted to work together and they, they wanted to stop them from – so that was the kind of the end of that chapter. And then ultimately the, the, the final, to your point, was a huge battle. It was literally yeah, a, there you go. <laughs> a epic, epic battle at the end between different forces of good versus evil. But that middle one, we yep. could have stopped there. That was, it was testifying in front of it, Congress. It was still a nice, it's still a nice ending. But, yes, for, by and large for most of what I do <laughs> and, and, and almost all published adventures – there's the final boss fight. Let's face it, we're going we're to end up with one, aren't we? Yeah, I was just being contra- contrary. <laughs> uh, for so sure. for me, look, and we spoke a bit last episode about um, creating uh, good encounters and particularly creating big boss fights. Um, but And I, I guess some of it's bears repeating, but if you are, there's a couple of particular pointers for end of campaign bosses that I think you need to be particularly aware of. The first one is it has to have a narrative element to it because this is the culmination of the story. So often the secrets are being revealed for the final time. The 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 the, um, the enemy's plot is being unveiled. What they were hoping to achieve. It might be that the last plot twist is unveiled that that kind of shows that the the friend was an enemy all along, or the enemy was a friend all along, or or some of those things. And so whatever you're doing, it has to have a big narrative to it. And I guess the most important thing, because I have had this happen some in, in, in a couple of times, this boss fight has to be a challenge. Um, this isn't one that can be circumvented by an easy fix or a quick single spell or a, or a, a specific action that you can take that just kind of undermines and kills the boss in one hit. You, it needs to have a level of epicness and a level, level of satisfaction, a level of struggle so that when they do succeed, it feels like it was worth it all in the end because if we think of a campaign as as characters developing tooling up 
getting ready for that final showdown. If if it if it is an epic at the end, then it's the most dissatisfying thing you can you can have. So it must challenge your players. So and that's and I um, I come to that with like two different thoughts. Um, absolutely a challenge of the players, but is it have to be that final four hour session that is the big challenge to the players that they have to overcome? And and the, the reason I'm I'm thinking of that is actually uh, a good thing. I thought a little bit about this campaign I just finished was the players had done in two or three sessions before they had smartly set up and understood what they needed to do and planned so that when they did finally, mm-hmm. and there was layers of, um, there was a couple of sessions of layers of, uh, of minions that they had to get to until they got to the sort of the boss fight. But they had through the, through the time of the campaign had learned some secrets on how best to defeat this. So it was easier, you know, it could have been hard, could have been TPK ish, but it was easier because of yep. the smart things they have done. So the challenging, and that's one of those things where I'm going, was the challenge hard enough? Should it have been harder? But damn, they just were smart. They just, um, they figured stuff out and they played it smart. So the fact that it wasn't, you know, everybody was on their heels, you know, uh, in a pool of blood and that last person, you know, casting the power, that final power to take them out before everybody takes their duck. No, it, it wasn't anything like that, but it was because yep. they were smart. So it, I think that big challenge could be spread over a couple of sessions. I, I I don't think it just means in the final session all all has to be either won or lost. I don't know. What what are your thoughts? Are you really talking primarily about that four hour session or Well, I it's this is for me is the second of the three sessions. So there's always another one afterwards that that I'll talk a little bit about afterwards. But that big boss fight for me is that generally it's the culmination. If you look at most of the written adventures, it is the last boss. So yes, the characters hopefully have been prepared and have done their own thing, but you still want it to feel like it's been a challenge. I think I I I would find it very dissatisfying. I think if if they say, well, yes, we got the arrow, we got we we managed to get the the weapon that will destroy this guy, and we just destroy them with the weapon, and that's it. I think I think you still needs to have some level of interaction and some level of fun, some level of of excitement for that. Oh, last sure, session, and, and that that's not fight. and yeah. that's not what my attention was that they just walk in and can one shot. Um, yeah, the main the main person, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm in total agreement agreement there. So, for me, for me, that last fight, and I, I, I've never done it, but gee, I wish I would. Maybe I should. That that one fight, if there was ever going to be a chance of a TPK, surely it's the final boss fight. Surely it's it's the last battle, the most powerful creature, the big nemesis. Surely that's the one that everyone would feel satisfying with a, t- a total party kill. I've never done it though. I've never. It's been too. How would that be an awful thing to do? That'd be an awful thing to do. You yeah. can't kill everyone in the last battle. Can well, you? it depends on uh, again. It depends on if this is, uh, you know, if this is uh, you know a fantasy campaign and there's the big evil necromancer and it feels like that's just a thing you should be able to take care of at some point. Yeah, okay, I get it. You, TPK might not be as fun, but I mean, some campaigns are world-ending epic adventure thing that's so big it's it's bigger than if it's bigger than the players you know and they've got to the point where their death their death will mean something yeah sure why not but it can't be a total party kill it has to be 
total party last guy kills him before he finally dies <laughs> yeah 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 okay yeah so so it can't be a total party defeat a total party kill yes but it's got to be victorious in death is that is that what you're saying unless it's call of cthulhu i guess maybe that's that, that's different yeah, yeah. right that's call your jam <laughs> God, yeah, absolutely. Because one of the things that I absolutely do is I don't pull any punches. That final fight is is all holds barred. We are going down to the wire. And I'm expecting epicness. And I'm expecting that not everyone will survive. And you're expecting that people's deaths will mean something. Importantly, when I'm running that final encounter, like I was saying before about providing people with enough room and giving them their time to shine, it's just as important within when you design that final encounter that everyone gets the opportunity to shine, that everyone gets to use their strengths, that there are elements of that final conflict that people can actually do. There would be nothing worse than having the final con- conflict and the social character just doesn't get involved in it, or even worse that perhaps, you know, you might, uh, take out a player too early in the session so that you've got them sitting there bored for a couple of hours. So you've got to be a little bit careful with how you structure that final uh, confrontation to make sure that everyone still gets to be involved and still gets to shine in that, allowing everyone to be really a major part of the story. Um, that That's something that's very tricky sometimes to balance to make sure that they've all got the opportunity to, to shine. Yeah, and I, I think that is. that, But... In the previous one of the previous episodes, you talked about that, right? Giving that opportunity yeah. for the the big bad to monologue or have some RP, which is then where the face character has some some way to shine. But you got to design that opportunity in. Otherwise, it really is anyone who can do damage up front. Yeah, everyone else hang back and see what happens. And they'll pile it on. And and so I guess part, another challenge when you're dealing with these final boss fights as well. By this stage, you should have a really good understanding about what the players will likely accomplish. You need to be a little bit careful about this because Dungeons & Dragons in particular is probably more than any other system because it's such action economy related. Players can do a hell of a lot of damage in those first couple of rounds if they use absolutely everything at their disposal. So it's um, often tricky to kind of balance that final encounter so that it's survivable. But don't be afraid to understand what your players are achieving and confound them. You know, like if they start every fight the same way, well, you know which way they're going to go. And so have your big bad just kind of avoid that problem. Um, I had a particular issue with a major counterspelling group a few years ago where they had three characters with counterspell. Um, And so I knew that when they ended up with this final bad, who was a spellcaster, they would lock that down pretty quickly. So the only way I could foil that was have the bad not, it be in line of sight when they're casting spells. So he was doing things very quietly and in the shadows and they couldn't counterspell it. But, you know, is that railroading? Is that meta? Maybe. But I think for these uh, for these epic fights, you, you can't just kind of take yourself out of the battle too quickly. Right. And you could have just as easily layered in too, right? You had his minions are spellcasters and they have yeah. to make a decision whether they're going to spend their spend their spell points or their spell slots right on the lesser versus the bigger foe that's right behind them so i I, again that goes back to designing it in a way um and there's a lot to be talked about um when you talk about making epic um uh, encounters you know like layering things and 
yeah. providing a whole bunch of talk about, and we've talked a little bit about that in the past. So, um, yeah, definitely not the time to pull punches because there's nothing, there's nothing after this, right? There's nothing and, left. That's right. Right. And, you know, unless you want them to open the door behind and, you know, they just defeated the mind flayer and then they, whoo, whoa. And then they open the door and there was a lich behind it the whole time. And <laughs> That's there's right. your TPK, right? So, <laughs> You can end it right there on that on that um, on that cliffhanger. Absolutely, um, and so the trick is too. I mean, once that once that boss is defeated, it's actually not the end. It feels like it's the end, but part of the part of the challenge for me is giving yourself enough time after that boss is actually done to allow some time afterwards. So often it'll be a good half a session, that I'll, a good couple of hours after that boss is defeated that I'll actually wind the campaign up. I think it's it's easy to fall into the trap of, we've killed the boss, that's it, folks, well done, congratulations, that's the end. Everyone has a beer and, and, and congratulates each other. But there's a couple of extra steps that I like to take at the end of a campaign, and no matter how often you play, that still takes a couple of extra hours in my mind and and i found that it being really satisfying when you do that the first one for me is the characters choosing what happens with the world um that there is some kind of role play uh, at the boss's demise that allows for the the chat about what does this mean now for the future because ultimately if the players have sacrificed everything and done everything that they're supposed to do and they've developed and they've evolved the actual end of the game isn't the defeat of the boss. The end of the game is what is the decision you make when now that the boss is dead? What is the world going to look like? You know, you talk all, everyone talks about that terrible last season of Game of Thrones because that wasn't done particularly satisfyingly when everyone sits around in a council and votes who's going to be the next king. It's about giving that time and, and starting that dialogue, whether that's an NPC that begins that dialogue, whether you op, there are there's a lever or two, whether there's a choice of a sacrifice to be made or not made, Having something there that allows the players to determine the fate of the world um, in a very overt way and a very spoken way is really important for me. That's That, for me, is when the, the actual campaign ends rather than just the, the corpse of the big bad. And, and I, I'm going to totally agree because I've done it both ways. And it's much more satisfying to give the players a chance to mould what comes next. You know, it's it's the... It's so, so what happened after this? Um, and yep. one of the campaigns I did with the uh, post-apocalypse, after they discovered you know, the ancient technology and everything, it was like, okay, so what happens? With, where did your character go from here? And, and being able to do some closure was absolutely fantastic. And, and now that we're running a new campaign, which is actually based on that previous world, um, which is a whole different topic altogether, um, based on that world, some of that that epilogue or here's what happened is playing into that. It's yep. no longer just uh, fluff. The flip side is this one, this last one with the uh, uh, Deadlands Lost Colony. God, I didn't do that. I keep telling, I just, how everything got compressed and mushed and mangled and whatever happened. Um, I look back at that. Now it's only been four weeks and I'm going to come back to the players and say, hey, let's let's talk about what did we miss here and what do we want to do better? Yep. It would have been nice to really give them some closure, but it was sort of, I was playing a plot point and my brain was just, 
Oh, plot points ended. All right. That's the end of the plot point. That's campaign. it. We finished it. Yeah. Congratulations. And because it wasn't my own stuff, I didn't really think of, you know, letting them Tying do some up, world building after that because yep. I, for the fact, know that Pinnacle has another game out that follows the next chapter. And so you <laughs> can't you change yeah. too much. And so I don't know if that was in the back of my mind or not, but um, doing it both ways, I absolutely positively recommend that you take that time to. To, to really do real closure on the post, yeah. you know, do that epilogue, do that, you know, that. I, I, I quote him a lot. Sly Flourish is, is a great resource that I use. Check out his YouTube channel. He's fantastic. Um, he started the one year on as a way to do his epilogues so that, and he gives people a heads up on it so that, you know, as you're coming into the final stretch, he encourages players to think about what it is that they would be doing a year from now. And they actually read a little monologue at the end of his campaigns about a year from now, this is what this guy's doing and allows them to then resolve. Of course, if they've died in the big bad, then that, that changes everything entirely. But the idea of actually having the players determine the outcome, I think is really important. I think it's a wonderful thing because ultimately as storytellers, as games masters, we've created this wonderful world. We've given them all the challenges. They've won. Let them determine what, what happens next. But if you're going to back it up with a, a straight into the next chapter of that campaign, it makes it a bit trickier. But for a lot of the world ending Rhyme of the Frost Maidens or Masks of Nyalathotep or Curse of Strahd, once those bads are done, Rescuing the world, leaving the world in a better place and a world that the players can choose, I think is really important. Yep. Very good. Yeah, very good. Um, so w we obviously talked a lot about the Game Master side of it, right? You know, finishing yep. a campaign. But let's not leave the players out. You know, part of this, this whole uh, um, thing we do is we want to talk about players as well. So how about some, you know, some advice or how did the players help? with closing on this epic campaign and, and bringing it to a conclusion. Yeah. I, and look, I'm in this strange experience where I'm about to finish up a campaign. Hagen Halfhold, my dwarf fighter ranger, is, will be no more and it's going to be a little bit sad because we've done. I've painted three different miniatures of him and I've, we've commissioned art and he's. I've got the voice down pat. I know all his family members' names by heart and I'm ready to go. Um, so I guess... In answering this one, I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit about what I've seen other players do that I think has been really good and what I'm planning on doing as well. Um, uh, first of all, I'm planning for Hagen to die. And I think that's an important thing when you're coming into the final of a campaign is to not be too upset in the outcome. And I'm expecting my my character to not make it and to basically be have a most epic departure that I can come up with. So in my mind, the biggest thing a player can do is lean into it, understand that it's it's the last time and it's, you can actually not survive it. So I'm preparing for death and I'm also preparing to have a fantastic little speech at some point. So um, I've looked through the story arcs that I've been involved in. I've looked through what my character has developed and what he's learnt. And I've come up with, I'm coming up with a few dot points so that when I have to say something on my last breath or if I'm about to do the killing blow with my last axe or if I save a friend with my last hit point, there's something memorable that I can say. So I'm kind of pre-writing a bit of a speech, which might sound a bit, I don't know, egotistical, but I'm doing it. And I would love it if my players did it in my game, if they had these little things prepared. I think that would be wonderful. 
and I'm really hoping to do something cool in the final battle. So I'm actively thinking and looking for the opportunities where, okay, this is my time to shine. So at the same time as storytellers are trying to allow players to shine, it's really up to the players to identify when it is that moment and, and bring everything that you can to bear. Um, so it's I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see if I survive it. We All our players got together over a, over a, a meal a couple of weeks ago and we realised none of us were preparing to survive this end conflict. So it might be that we all perish, which will be awesome. We'll give our storyteller a TPK to say goodbye on. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about you? What what are you looking What are you looking for from your players at, at the last session? Well, I, I, it goes beyond the last session. It really is nice to know. Um, you know, players come in to the game with their their character arc that they want to see. Um, so, you know, I want my player, my character, to go through these stages of life. It's good at as you getting closer to the end and you start running down that hill. If the players start looking to close those with you um or mm. adjust them it's like i i know that you have not been able to do become a trader which was one of those things but you now have part of that is that okay well what i really now want to close is with this and maybe it's the epic i want to be able to you know now um, defeat them because of they killed off a character halfway through the campaign that i was that was my new arc and I yep. want to get there. So knowing and, and being prepared to close those off and um, don't hold them out there, right? Knowing that this is coming up, it's it's up to you to kind of talk through, hey, I, I did want to close this off or I do want to get some closure here. Can we work towards that like in the next few sessions? Um, don't just yep. wait for it to happen. Um, I think being prepared, like you mentioned, um, for it to happen um, and not be surprised by, I mean, the foreshadowings there, um, come in ready to go and, and be prepared. Uh, I've had some folks come into the final, the final few sessions and they still haven't even had their character put together from the previous few sessions. And it's yeah, like, yeah, you know, this yeah. is happening. you you know, this is going to occur. You could die or you, you know, the, the powers that you're putting in now or the choices you're making now are, are important. So don't just, just don't leave it on the side. And, and I, you you think players wouldn't do that, but that's an amazing thing that that folks do. But I do love the idea of having your victory speech or your last dying breath speech. I think that's brilliant. I I don't know if I would have even thought of that, but yeah, I think the players should come in with some. Every time I've been in a campaign, I've had that in the back of my mind, but I've never gotten to a point where I've been able to use it. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Might as well have it now. If you're not going to use it, then when are you going to use it? The last thing. And we never say much about this. We probably should. Um, thank your storyteller, your games master, your dungeon master also. Don't forget that this is a very tricky part of a dungeon master's life. Ending a campaign can be a big a big strain. So make sure that you, you know, bring the casserole and give your DM a hug because uh, at the end of a campaign is often a very tricky one. So make sure you say thanks. Yeah, say thanks. So say thanks give, give them at least you know in discord or something give them a smiley face with a thumbs up or something you know do something right. come on <laughs> say i really enjoyed that game that would be a nice you know give some feedback about how you enjoyed the, the final session that's that's important too yeah that, that's a good that's a good point um and with that i'll tear up a little bit yes it's nice to get that especially a long one so I, i'm sure your uh 20th level campaign you'll be 
sure to thank the game master appropriately for uh... I, i've just made a note because i probably would have forgotten to so i will thank my storyteller Stu, who's been working tirelessly for four hours i'll thank him now thanks Stu. it was a bloody good campaign there you go <laughs> And now he has to listen. So, okay. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, um, I, I don't know if there's any final thoughts to throw out there. I think that was a pretty good, um, uh, feels exhaustive kind of look at that, that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts or you think this we're doing good? There's a great, so, there's a great saying, go big or go home. And I think campaign endings are your ultimate go big or go home at moment. So make them epic, make them fun, make them memorable because this is what it's all about. I cannot say that any better. So we're going to leave it there. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you got something out of it. Remember to drop by MasteringTheRPG.com to learn about our projects and what we're and contacting us and get supporting us. Please, support would be great. Uh, please email GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com if, if you have questions, need advice, or would like Eric to adjudicate a difference of opinion. He'd love to do that. Um, our Twitter handle is at MasteringTheRPG if you want to contact us this way. Um, and I would love a positive review and a podcatcher of your choice. Um, subscribe, follow, whatever it is. Um, I do look at those numbers because, I don't know, I'm, I just like looking at the numbers. It's cool when a chart goes up. But anyway, uh, so once again, <laughs> this is Carl with uh, James this week. And I'll say, uh, say goodbye, James. Say goodbye, James.